Hello, and welcome to the River Audio Podcast. Thank you for joining us today. We believe God has something unique to say to you, and our hope is that you feel His love stronger today than ever before. Enjoy the message. Are you ready for this word today? Praise the Lord. Um, I have had butterflies in my stomach over and over again for days since the Lord gave me this message. And I don't think excited would be the right, I am excited, but I don't think excited would be the right word. The Lord gave me this, this word, I don't know, Wednesday-ish, Tuesday, Wednesday. And I'll just be going through my day and it'll cross my mind and I just absolutely get butterflies and, and it's really a witness of the Spirit of what He's getting ready to do. I want to tell you that if you are here, you're here on the right day. And if you are tuning in, you are tuning in on the right day. God is going to speak a word to His people, and God's going to speak a word to some folks that need to be His people. If you've got your Bibles, I want to encourage you to go with me to Hebrews chapter 11, in verse 6, Hebrews 11 in verse 6, we're going to read that and pray, and uh, we're going to ask the Lord to help me. Now, without faith, somebody say faith. Now, without faith, it is impossible to please God, since the one who draws near to him must believe that he exists in that he rewards those that seek him. I want to read it again one time before we pray. Now, without faith, it is impossible to please God, since the one who draws near to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those that seek him. Pray with me. Father, I need your help today. I believe that you have inspired this word in my heart and mind. And I believe that you have stirred and prompted me, Father, with a burden for this word and for the people that would hear it. A burden for the people that need this information and this encouragement. I need your help completely. I'm asking you right now that you would fill me afresh and that you would take over my mind and my mouth, my thoughts, the direction of my thoughts, and my words, and my wording. Father, help me that I would bring this today in the very simplest way, Father, where all could understand. And Father, help us to mix it with faith that it would profit us something. Lord God, prepare our hearts and our minds right now for what you are getting ready to say. In Jesus' name, amen. God is not impressed by anyone having it all together. Do you know what it means to be 
impressed. When I see somebody do something that I can't do, that is impressive. I say, wow, I can't imagine being able to do that. You know, let's think, you know, I love, uh, I love live entertainment. So let's think about, let's think about a tightrope walker. You see, we've got your attention already. A few weeks ago, I watched a movie, and now I can't remember the name of it, but it was about, it was a true story. This is years and years ago, but the guy's actually still alive. He would uh, illegally do tightrope walking between famous buildings that were really tall. Some of you remember this guy. I can't remember his name right now. Anyhow, uh, when the Twin Towers were being built, that was his, that's what was in his scope. And he didn't even live here in the States. To make a long story short, and I would encourage you to watch the movie, he bypassed security somehow as these buildings were being built and hauled, you can't imagine the equipment and the type of cable that has to be used, and then how far he had to get that cable from one building to the other, and then how he did it. It's just insane, and that he didn't get caught. And then the day came, and he walked <laughs> over that tightrope between the tops of those two buildings. That's impressive. It impressed me because I can't climb a ladder. I don't want to stand too close to the edge of the stage, you know. I don't like heights. And once my feet, once my feet get where my head normally is, I'm high enough. So watching this movie, watching this guy uh, evade the police and all the security, that was pretty impressive because I don't have those skills. And then watching the physical act of getting the equipment in place, that was something else. It's pretty impressive. And then watching him do the thing. I can't grasp that. So you can impress me with that. Now think about impressing God with anything, because he can do that. You're not going to blow God's mind. You're not going to surprise him. God's not going to say, man, how did he pull that off? You're never going to wow him. That's not what God cares about. God is not impressed with anyone being able to show him, I've got it together. Look, God, I'm well-behaved. Look, God, I figured it out. God, I'm doing like I should do. And God doesn't say, wow, I should give them a gold star. That is so impressive. God is not impressed with anyone showing him that they have it together or with what they have together. You can't really show him anything better than what he's seen before. You can't show him anything he hasn't seen before. You definitely can't do anything better. You cannot impress God with your skill because he has more. 
You cannot impress God with your talent. He's God. And anything that you've got, he gave it to you anyway. If you have any skill, God gave you the ability. If you have any talent, God gave it to you. If you have a gift, God's the gift giver. So it is never, ever the ability or the presentation that impresses God. It is the attitude toward him. It is the recognition of who he is. And it is the heart with which we humbly use the skill and the talent and the gift whatsoever he has given. It is our attitude toward God. It is our heart toward God. It is our looking to God that pleases him. It is simply our faith. Our looking to him, our believing him, our depending upon him, our leaning on him, our trusting him, that is all that brings pleasure to the heart of God. It's not any of the doing because the doing is only a byproduct of the leaning. When we lean on him, he moves through us. We might be impressed, but he knows that's the natural result. Are you hearing me today? It is the attitude of gratitude. It is the position of praise. It is the heart of humility and where the glory is given. This is what moves the heart of God. This is what pleases the heart of God. This is what does it for him. This is what impresses him. It's believing him and trusting him and relying on him. God is not impressed by anyone having it together because he is the only one that put it together anyway. If you've got it together, God put it together. You didn't. God is only moved by those that recognize that we don't have anything together and he's got it all together. And it's called faith. Somebody say faith. Now, without faith, it is impossible to please God since the one who draws near to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. There are a lot of people that attempt to get to God for his benefit to their dream or their plan. There are a lot of people that try to get to God for image or a lot of different reasons. People are religious and people want to be part of, you know, a particular church or particular social status, etc. 
but it's the one who draws near to him in faith. It's the one who draws near to him that knows without him I'm nothing, and I need him completely. He is only moved by I cannot, but you can. And I only can because of the one in me who can and that is doing it through me. Is this helping anybody today? That's the only thing that moves the heart of God. The apostle Paul had figured it out. The apostle Paul had come from great education and great standing in society and a great position and a a lot of acclamation. Paul had come from this. But when Paul came to the Lord, he realized none of it counted for anything and that anything he had, God had given it to him. And he came to believe what he called no confidence in the flesh, no trust in his own ability. And that's when he pinned this in Philippians 4.13. He said, I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. The only way I can do anything that I can do is through the person of Christ, through the agency of the Holy Spirit, through faith in the finished work, through the blood of the cross, through what Jesus has done. Is the only way I can live and bring him glory. It's the only way I can live a holy life. It's the only way I can live an upright life. It's the only way that I can live for him is by him. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. It is the one that puts no stock in their own works, but all of their stock in his finished work. This is all that moves the heart of God. This is all that pleases God. This is all that impresses God, is faith in God. It is the one who says, my righteousness at best is as filthy rags. But I know that I am made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Charles Spurgeon said, the best of men are men at best. Martin Luther on his deathbed said this. He said, when I look at myself, I don't know how I can possibly be saved. He said, but when I look at Jesus, I don't know how I can possibly be lost. Come on, somebody. Faith, faith completely fixed in who Jesus is and what Jesus has done. I hunger for the manifest presence of God. I know everything's not about the feels, and we talk about that a lot because for so many people it's out of balance, and and really church is just a feely thing for them. But that being said, I love the manifest presence of God. I want to experience the presence of God. I want to sense him. I want to realize his power. I want to realize his presence. I want to see him manifesting in church services. I want to see his glory fill the room. That people come in and they say, what is that? What is that in this place? I want it to be that they get a contact high off of my praise. I want it to be that I'm so walking in the anointing that people say, what is that that I feel? What is that in there? What is different about this word? What is different about these people? I want the manifest presence of God. I 
I don't want to be part of a church that we come in and we punch our time clock and we sing three songs and give a three-point sermon and make sure that we have to be out by noon and that we leave the same way that we came in. I'm not interested in that. I want to worship God when I get to church because I need to. I want a fellowship with my brothers and sisters. I want a fellowship with my family. I want to hear a word straight from heaven. I want to hear the gospel. I want to be corrected. And I also want to be encouraged. And I also want to be inspired and to be charged. And I want to experience the living God while I am there, that when I leave, I say, surely the presence of the Lord is in this place. I want to leave here saying, we had church. The presence of God was here today. I want an awareness of his presence. Are you with me? If you want to walk in the awareness of the presence of God, you do not offer him your sufficiency. You offer him your insufficiency. Are you hearing me today? Let's give the Lord a hand clap and a shout. We offer him our insufficiency. You don't try, you know, people always try to get God to move by offering him something. What are you going to offer God? What kind of a gift would you give a king? What kind of a gift would you give a, a multi-billionaire? What do you give to somebody that's already got every, got something, got stuff? They're, they're, there's nothing they don't have. What are you going to give God in terms of impressing him? What are you going to give to God in terms of something he doesn't have? You don't offer him that you are a gift to him. Here I am, God. I know you sure can use a guy like me. Boy, God, think of, think of what I could do. Think of what I could do for you if you'd choose me. If you'd put me out there, I could talk to people and I just think... I'm giving an extreme example, but it's sadly true. And this is how a lot of people approach God, and this is how a lot of people view God. People think they got something God needs. People think God can't do it without them. Cocky Christians. They think God, do you know that Jesus has been saving people for 2,000 years before you were a twinkle in your daddy's eye? Jesus has been doing this all this time without you. He does not need you, but he does want you. He does want you, but it's you yourself that he wants. Not the fluff, not the facade, not the stuff you can make up or try to impress him. He wants the real you, the raw you. He doesn't want the pretty cute you that you paint on and show everybody at church. He wants the organic you that knows you're a mess. He wants all of your faults. He wants all of your brokenness. He wants all of your dire straits. He wants all of your, your, your needs. He wants all of the junk and the chaos in the 
confusion. He says, yeah, I'll take that. You don't offer him that you are a gift to him, but you express your need of him. If you want to experience the reality and the awareness of the presence of God, you got to get real. Grab your neighbor and tell him, you got to get real. You've got to get real. Do you know what attracts God? We know what attracts people, so then we try to use that stuff on him. God doesn't care about the same thing that people cares about. In the Old Testament, they would... It would split the belly of an ox and dump its guts out. And then the priest would take a lamp of incense. He'd walk in it. They would burn the sacrifice. They would light that, a fire under that blood in those intestines. And it would go up. And the Bible said... It was a sweet-smelling savor in the nostrils of the Lord. God doesn't care about the same stuff you care about. He doesn't like the same smells that you like. Come on. The human stuff that you think's cute, he doesn't care about that. Do you know what attracts God? A desire for God. And the admission of the need for God. That's what attracts God, people being real and saying, I need thee, Lord, I need thee. People really putting it all out there. People not trying to impress him because you can't. Catherine Kuhlman told God, she said, God, she said, I've got nothing. She said, I was born without looks. She said, I was born without talent. She said, I've got nothing. She said, but if you can take nothing and use it, I offer you my nothing. And he turned the whole world upside down through Catherine Kuhlman. Because she offered him her nothing. A desire for God attracts him. The admission of the need for God. God is not looking for those that believe they are whole. He said, those that are well don't need a physician. He said, but I've come to seek and save them that are lost. God is not looking for those that believe that they are whole. God is not looking for those that think they're cute. God is not looking for those that think that they've got it all together, that they are self-made men and self-made women. God is not looking for the whole. God is looking for the broken. Jesus said, quoted Isaiah in the fulfillment of this messianic prophetic utterance. He said, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because, he's going to tell us why. Why for the anointing? Why for the presence? Why for the power? Why for the Holy Spirit? The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He hath sent me to bind up 
the brokenhearted and to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to them that are bound. Somebody shout, the brokenhearted. God is looking today for the hurting. If you are hurting, God is looking for you. And you are here today for this message because God arranged it. God is looking for the hurting. God is looking for the weak. You ever hear somebody say, I'd love to get in church, but I need to get some things fixed first. You ever hear somebody say, I'm going to come to God. I have full intentions, but I got to clean myself up first. Friend, you've got it all wrong. You'll never get yourself ready for God. You'll never get to the place where you have something to offer him except your brokenness. You don't offer to him that you've cleaned up. You don't offer to him that you got it figured out. You don't offer to him that you've organized life now. You offer to him that you haven't. And you say, here I am. Here I am. God is looking for the hurting. If you're hurting, God is looking for you. God is looking for the weak. Say, I just can't make it in my life. Everything's falling apart. I can't make ends meet. I can't even find the ends. I try to rub two nickels together, but I don't have two nickels. I'm weak. I've tried it. I've given it my best shot. I can't do it. You are a person in a position for a miracle. You are exactly who God is looking for. He is looking for the weak. You say, you don't understand. This is my fault. You don't know what I did. God is looking for the one who has blown it. God is looking for the one that it's their fault. God is looking for the one that they are the one that messed it all up. He's looking for you. He's looking for the hurting. He's looking for the weak. He's looking for the one that's blown it. He's looking for the heartbroken. He's looking for the one that has been through tragedy. He's looking for the one that has been through loss. He's looking for the one that's going through the fire. He's looking for the one that's in the midst of trial in hardship, in persecution, God is looking for you, and he is the one that can do something about it. Hallelujah. God is looking for you. We tend to think that when we come to church, that if we could praise just right, that the presence of God will manifest. We tend to think that if we have the right instruments and the right musicians playing the right chords and the right songs, we tend to think if we'll look a certain way and do a certain way, that somehow, that if we'll give that to God, God will 
move on it. But that's not what he moves on. That's not what does it for him. But give God the one that just got the worst news. Boy, y'all are quiet today. Give God the one that just got the cancer report. Give God the one that just had an abortion and thinks that there is no hope left for them. Give God the one that their marriage just fell apart. Give God the one that was just served the papers. Give God the one that thinks everything's over, doesn't know what they put on this morning, can't carry a tune in the bucket, and doesn't really know what's going on in the room, but they know they need God. Give God the mess. Jesus said, come unto me. All ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Are you hurting? He's looking for you. Is your heart broken? The Holy Spirit's looking for you this morning. Have you experienced loss and tragedy? Are you in uncharted territory and you don't know how to navigate it and you don't know how to get through? I came to tell you this morning that Jesus is looking for you and he has the answer and he is the answer. Do you think that you've gone too far? Just reach out to the one that went even further to get you. Do you think that you're out of time? Just grab hold of the God of all space and time. Corey Tinboom said that there is no pit so deep that the love of God is not deeper still. He loves you and he's looking for you. Matthew 12, Jesus said, A bruised reed shall he not break, and a smoking flax shall he not quench till he send forth judgment unto victory. A bruised reed standing by the water, and an animal has gone through, and there's a dark spot in the middle of the green, and it's weak, and the wind is blowing, and that reed, that bruised reed, may go ahead and cave to the weight of itself any time and fall over and snap. A bruised reed. A smoking flax. There are only sparks left in the fire, just an ember, and then that last glow begins to flicker quickly, and then all of a sudden, and smoke. And the fire is out. Jesus said, a bruised reed I'll never break. Jesus knows how to deal gently with the broken heart. Jesus knows so many people in a state of depression or anxiety or heart 
heartbreak. They are so scared because they're not thinking as clear as they would like to. And now they think that God is on them about not doing everything they need to get done. And they just keep piling on the weight, more weight than God would ever put on you. People are way meaner to themselves than God would ever be. God is not nearly as harsh with people as people are with people, and people are with themselves. God protects that one that is the bruised reed and the smoking flax. God comes in, the psalmist says, like a mother hen and gathers the chicks under the wing that nothing can get to them. God knows how to gently help and deal with the one who is heartbroken and a little lost right now and says, I don't know, I don't know. God says, I got you. You don't have to worry about that right now. I'm covering you. Yeah, I'm supposed to be doing this and this and this, and I'm all messed up in my mind. God says, I've got you. A bruised reed I will not break, and a smoking flax I will not quench. You might be that bruised reed today. You may think that you are too damaged and that any time you'll go ahead and just topple over at any moment with the slightest breeze. You might be that smoking flax today. Maybe you feel like the fire has gone out. I used to be on fire for the Lord. I used to have this passion, and where did it all go? The fire may have gone out, and there's barely the faintest flicker left on the very last ember. But I can tell you today that there is one here in our very midst that is a strengthener of every weak place. And he is the baptizer in fire that can light you all over again. That's him. He is the one that makes all things new. I don't care what kind of a problem you have today. I don't care what it is that you are facing because Jesus is bread when you're hungry and he's a light in the darkness. He is a shelter from the wind. He's a lawyer when you don't have one. Can I get an amen? He is a friend when you're friendless. He is a burden bearer and a heavy load sharer. He is a water walker and a storm talker. He's a dead raiser and a new life maker. That's Jesus. If you're lost, never fear. He's the finder and he's finding you right now. You want God? Get honest with him and he'll fill you to the brim. Do you want to know? How to get a church full of Jesus? Find a church that knows he's great and we're not. Do you want to know how to get a church filled up with God? Get a church that realizes, I need thee. The people that never worship, the people that do not pray, the people that don't read, the people that don't serve, it's because they really don't think they need him. When you know you need something, you go after it. If you're not going after it, you don't actually think you need it. They are not very aware of any problems that they have. 
but find somebody with a mess. Bring somebody in this house with a mess that they know they can't get out of. Find somebody whose back is up against the wall. Find somebody that can't make ends meet. Suddenly, they forget to care what anybody else in the room thinks. When people know that they need God, they're not concerned with how other people view them. They forget about protocol, whether they're in order or out of order. All they know is that they're facing a problem they cannot fix, and they have to have the attention of God. And the Father's heart inside of our loving God, our Creator, is attracted to the adversity of people. He loves people. When people are ready to admit that he is all of that and we are none of that, he says, that's something I can work with. We got to get real with God. Now, without faith, it is impossible to please God since the one who draws near to him must believe he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Whenever I am stuck between a rock and a hard place, I just make sure that it's the rock that is higher than I. Come on, some, do we have any church? Are there any Pentecostal people in here that help me even a little bit? I make sure that it's the rock that is higher than I. I go to the rock of my salvation. I go to the stone that the builders rejected, the chief cornerstone of my life. The rock of ages cleft for me. Let me hide myself in thee. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. I go to the rock. Find some people that are aware of their problems. And that no God is the only answer for this life. That God is the only answer for this world. That God is the only answer for the broken heart. That he's the only answer for lost humanity. When people admit their need for God, God starts meeting the need of the people. When people get real with God, God really shows up. Never forget that the end of you is the beginning of God. The well-dressed, stuffy, prim and proper. I lost my place. Try that again. The well-dressed, stuffy, prim and proper church people sitting quietly on a pew just kind of mouthing the words, praying memorized prayers. They never experience the reality of who God is. But bring somebody to God that is in the midst of tragedy. 
bring somebody that doesn't know what page of the Baptist hymnal that How Great Thou Art is printed on. Bring somebody that doesn't know anything except that they've got a mess. Somebody in the midst of trial, somebody in the midst of trouble, in the midst of a fiery furnace that isn't concerned about who's sitting around them. And suddenly you will see the manifest presence of our heavenly father and his heart of love as he begins to fill the room and do what no human being can do. The invisible God will show up and show out. God doesn't care about how cute you are or how good you've made yourself appear. God will walk past the practiced preacher and right into the problem. He'll step over the church member and into the train wreck. Right past religion and into the wreck. Somebody just has to say, God, here is my mess. Help! God will show up. God will show up. I'm reminded of Jesus when he went into a particular town and it said he was moved with compassion and begin to heal their sick. Our God has a heart of compassion and tenderness and love. The problem is right now, the whole world that we live in is screaming, I don't want God. I don't want him. And every time they yell it, they prove the Bible true. As the book of Romans, Paul said, they did not like to retain God in their conscience, so he gave them up to their own affections. Their prayer is being answered. God answers prayer. God ultimately gives people what they insist on. And when they say enough times, I don't want him, I don't want him, I don't want him. A lot of times they say it and they don't really mean it. And he doesn't pay it any mind. But when they get to the point that from their heart, they are rejecting the wooing of the Holy Spirit, that they are rejecting the convicting power, that holy drawing. When they get to the place that they do not want God, God with a broken heart, says, okay. That's the scariest scripture in the whole Bible. He says that his spirit will not strive with man forever. And when he says that the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit can't be forgiven. What is the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit? It is the rejection to be saved. That's why it can't be forgiven, because they refuse the forgiveness. That's all it means. That God will turn people over to their own conscience, to their own will. I've met so many people that are scared. I I wonder if I've committed the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. I already know you haven't. Or you wouldn't have said, I wonder if I've committed the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. 
If it crosses your mind, you have not. And if you are saved, you cannot. You cannot because you already did not. You already admitted, I'm a sinner in need of a Savior, and I want Jesus. Now you can't blaspheme the Holy Spirit. You already didn't blaspheme the Holy Spirit. You placed faith in Christ. The whole world we live in is screaming, I don't want God. So they're not seeing him. But God still says to them, I want you. They say, God, we don't want you. He says, I still want you. God, we're done with you. And he says, I'm not done with you. We hate the idea of this God. God says, I love you. And I know your heart better than you do. And I know that a whole bunch of y'all yelling that have not actually decided yet. And I'm going to keep on working on you. I'm going to keep on loving you. I'm going to keep on drawing you. It is not my will that any should perish. If I be lifted up, I will draw all men to me. And he keeps on moving and he keeps on loving and he keeps on sending you out to talk to him. I hope you look like his love and not their hate. I hope you look like the follower of Jesus and not the follower of a political candidate. I hope you're giving light for darkness and love for hate and not just trying to match wits with them. They say, I don't want him. He says, I want you. He might be saying it to you right now. I want you. You may be saying, where was God? And he says, well, nobody ever explained to you the right way to look for me, but uh, right there. I'm right here. Been here the whole time. How could God let this happen? And God says, actually, I didn't let that happen. Men have free will, and I didn't have anything to do with it. And that's what happens in a sin-stricken earth. But I still love you. It didn't have anything to do with me. Those Christians did that to me. It was that church. And God said, well, it may have been the Christians, but it wasn't the Christ. Those are people, and don't get them mixed up with me. I'm still good all the time. God might be running after you right now. You may be the one. So won't you quit running and surrender? Won't you get real about your emptiness and your problem and admit it that you need God, that you need the one that created you, that he hasn't wronged you, but we wronged him Say, God, I even bring you my sin. I bring you my mess. God, I'm, I'm sorry. As long as they keep saying they don't want him, they don't give any room for him. But for any who are listening today, won't you turn toward him? He's waiting for you. He's waiting for you. Oh, soul, are you weary and troubled no light in the darkness you see. There's light for a look at the Savior in life more abundant and free. It's a crime that I don't have this one memorized. His word shall not fail you, he promised. Believe him and all will be well. Then go to a world that is dying, his perfect salvation to tell. Do you remember it? Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. 
And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Turn your eyes toward Jesus. Lay down your pride today if you're hurting. Let down your guard. Take off the mask and the facade and get honest with God and give it all to him. Oh, how I wish I could sing. I've always wanted to sing. If I could sing, have a little mercy on me. If I could sing, I would say, I need thee like the ocean needs the water, or it would run dry. I need thee like the stars above need the setting of the sky. I need thee like tomorrow needs the hours of today to pass by. Lord, I need thee more than ever. So hear my humble cry. I need thee in the morning when from evening's rest I wake. I need thee to direct my path every step I take. I need thee, Lord, to keep me, need your mercy and your grace. I need thee, Lord, forever. You promise never to forsake. I need thee. Oh, I need thee. Come ahead, praise team. Every hour I need thee. Bless me now, my Savior. I come to thee. Do you know it? You remember it? I need thee. Stand with me. Oh, I need thee. I'm hoping I'm in a key that you can do with me. I need thee, because it might never happen again. Oh, I need thee. Bless me now, my Savior. I come to thee. Now do it in whatever you want, la la, and make it right. If there's anybody here that will admit from their heart, I need thee. I need thee. God, I can't take another step. And I realize now that the steps I have been taking 
you were taking them by your grace. I didn't acknowledge that it was you. You're the only reason I'm still here. God, you're all I've got. There's a difference in believing stuff and knowing stuff. You can believe something just because you heard somebody else say it, but you don't know. They know it. That's why they said it. They've been through something and they found out. They said it. It caused you to believe it. But pretty soon you're going to find out and then you can know it. I told Rose, I said, my kids believe a lot of stuff. Deacon Mariah believe a lot of stuff. I said, but they don't know nothing. It's bad grammar, but it's good theology. They don't know nothing. They never had problems. I mean, they have had problems. But I remember being somewhere that I knew I was not supposed to be. And nobody would be able to get to me but God. And I laid my face in the carpet. And all that would come out was a language I didn't even know. As my tears and snot were all over the floor. And guess who showed up? It was Jesus. Jesus showed up and got me through and got me home. It was Jesus every time. Every, I can look back over my life and see all the times that the devil tried to kill me. First time I ever gave a testimony was in the first grade. I'd just gone back for the new school year. And the teacher said, I want a report. I want you to stand in front of the class and tell us something you did over the summer. I should have brought it to read to you. I still got it. And over the summer, my sister and I were in our little bitty swimming pool that dad had made with some leftover concrete from a concrete job. See, he had something poured and there was a little bit in the truck. So my dad built forms and he had them pour us a little, I mean, it was maybe 10 by 10 or something, just a little bitty thing. Heather said to me, she's my big sister, by the way. She's my big little sister. She said, do you know how to hold your breath? No. She said, let me show you. She said, do this. So I did. She said, now put your face under the water. Held my breath. Never knew how to do that before. The next day, my mom says, want to go spend the day on Black River at your grandma's? Yep. So we drive to Black River. We get with Grandma. We get with her at her house and then go down to the river. If you know Black River, you know a couple things about it. You know it's real cold all the time. And you know there are sinkholes that'll pull you under. Now I'm swimming along. And all of a sudden that current grabbed me. I'm six years old. And when my chin got about here to the water, a little thought ran through my mind that I had never had until a day before. The thought was, <laughs> no one will convince me that the devil's not been trying to kill me my entire life and that the Holy Spirit told my sister the day before to teach me to hold my breath. I've seen it over and over and over again. 
Listen, the devil has a plan to take you out, but God has a plan to keep you in. I told the story not too long ago about pulling my trailer to move some friends. And that trailer was full on that wet road. It's raining. I'm doing 65 miles an hour, and the car pulls out right in front of me. No time to do anything. I tried my best to swerve. As I did, that's when that car looked up to realize they pulled in front of me. So they swerved into the lane I'm trying to swerve into. So I swerved back, and I jackknifed that trailer. And all of a sudden, the back end of the trailer is coming up next to the car, and we're both pointed northbound. And I turn the wheel, and it scissors, and now the back end of the trailer and the front of my car are both pointed southbound, northbound, southbound, northbound, southbound. Completely out of control. I said, Jesus! And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit spoke as clear as I'm standing here. He said, punch it! I punched the gas, pulled out of that jackknife. The young lady that was with me, it was her family. We were moving. Her parents were behind me in a U-Haul truck. As they topped the hill where we were in view to see what's happening... Her dad driving the truck said, oh, no, oh, no. Sister Dane said, what, what, what is it, what is it? He said, DJ and Sarah, look, look. She said, what, what is it? I can't see anything. He said, they're all over the road. She said, I can't see anything but that cloud. There's just a cloud. He could see in the natural. She could see in the spirit. There was a cloud sitting on the road. She could see nothing. We were inside of it. The Lord told me later, he said, you were never in danger at any point. My whole life. I remember coming back 67, yellow Mustang I used to have, and it was me and three friends, and a deer ran out in front of the van in front of us. The van hit the deer. The deer exploded and flew up over the top. And the spray of the blood covered the whole windshield that instantly, at 60 miles an hour, I had zero visibility and a deer flying. I could see the glow of the red lights through that red blood, and then that van just took off. And we, we lost control and flew off into the median. As the car went into the dip in the median, the right side, the whole passenger side from front to back lifted up off the ground and the car began to go into a roll and I cried out to Jesus. And a giant hand, here's the car doing this, a giant hand grabbed the car, pushed it back down to the ground and picked it up and set it on the side of the road. over and over and over again over and over and over again I don't know who needs to hear all that today what I'm telling you is God is for you always for you and never against you and he's looking for you and he wants you and he has preserved you for a reason you have a purpose and that's why you're still God why am I even still here that's why you're here because he's not through with you but God I hurt he says work through the hurt I got to get somebody saved work through the hurt I've got to minister to somebody that's been through what you've been through God why am I here you're here because I'm not through with you yet God's looking for you 
Hallelujah. If today you are ready to say, I need thee. Would you come right now and get all across this area? You can stand, you can kneel, you can lay, you can do whatever you want. But you're here today and you say, I'm, I'm in a position, maybe one that I talked about, I don't know. And you say, I need thee. Would you come right now? Don't wait. Step out of your seat. Forget what anybody thinks, because people who are in need don't care what anybody thinks. You're not worried about what it looks like if they saw you come up here last week or whatever the case. Get out and come down here, and together we're going to cry out to God. Don't wait for, I, I'll pray for you at some point, but don't wait for me. You get down here and begin to express to God honestly, raw, from your heart. I'm, I need thee. Now, maybe you're here, and maybe you've never in your life come to Jesus. Maybe you've never in your life come to Jesus. You say, preacher, my heart is stirred about all this that you're bringing. Friend, nobody is going to heaven without Jesus. Nobody is made right with God without Jesus. Jesus is the Son of God, and He left heaven, and He came to earth, and He died on the cross in our place. And three days later, He got up again, and He's the only way to heaven, and He's the only way to be right with God. He's the only way to relationship with the God. He's the only way to redemption. You must be born again. You have an old dead spirit. You must be born again. God wants to trade that out for Him. He'll give you a brand new spirit in a spirit that is perfectly wrapped up, tangled up, tied up in Jesus. A, a, a spirit that is in perfect union with Jesus. You'll be one with him. And he will keep you. He'll keep you all the way to heaven. If you have never been saved, if you've never been born again, and you say, I want that. I, I know I want to have God's forgiveness. I want to know my name is written in his book. I want to know I'm redeemed. I want to know that I'm on my way to heaven. I want to know that I'm walking with him in relationship with him. I want to be saved. If that's you, step out from where you are and come and meet me right here. I want the honor of leading you in a prayer as you place faith from your heart in what Jesus did at the cross. Would there be even one? You say, I've never been saved, but I want to be. I've never been born again, but I want to be. If you're watching at home, this is your moment. If you're lost, if you have never come to Jesus, if you've never been saved, cry out to him right now. Tell him. Tell him in your own words. But in so many words, tell him, I know I'm a sinner, but I know you died for me. And I know you got up and I say yes to you. Wash me of my sin and come in. If you pray that from your, from your heart, you get real with God and you place heart faith in that sacrifice. You will be saved. And I want you to click the message button and let me know you made that decision. Thanks again for listening to the River Audio Podcast. We hope that these weekly sermons are an encouragement to your life. Make sure to stay connected with us throughout the week online at theriverworshipcenter.org and on Facebook and Instagram at The River.